It's like a strange occupational hazard doing these films because like part of your job is to come up with diabolical protracted ways of killing people. And so I literally just have a file full of such things that I can draw on over the years. But it's, it's actually a lot of fun. On this movie, which is, by the way, by far the goriest film of all of them, which a lot of the reviews are pointing out. I know, right? I, I mean, I, it is a thing to be proud of, I think. When I wrote the script, I wasn't really conscious of that. It was only like, it was sometime during pre-production or something that I realized after we were sending one actor after another to Tony Gardner to have their head cast. And, I, and then I realized that this, this movie really does a lot of violence to the human face and head in this movie. And I just like, and I was thinking, Loved what it. does that say about me? Happy Halloween and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We typically have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 131. Guys, isn't it particularly cool that it's October 31st and this is episode 131? Yes. I know it is to you, yes. Yes, <laughs> I know, right? Absolutely. Both of those have the number 31. You're so damn that- right. That's, That's right. amazing. <laughs> so uh, this is a themed episode where we are wrapping up our coverage from the Child's Play <laughs> franchise to celebrate the month that Halloween falls in, October. And uh, on Horror Movie Podcast, you hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh, and my friends call me Chucky. Yes, they do. I've heard them do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> guys, uh, one other list, a little side note before we jump in, because we're just rip-roaring, raring to go, because Halloween and all. I recently had the honor and privilege of appearing as a special guest on Ron Martin's The Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast with our friend Jessica Little Miss Horror Nerd, and we Mm -hmm. did an in-depth review and discussion, you know, Zombie 7 style, of Night of the Living Dead, you know, (laughs) and it was really fun, like, it was like hours, and we were talking about it, and just having a blast, it was awesome, because if anybody has listened to that show, you will know that they go through kind of like scene by scene, usually, and discuss it. Well, we were like an hour and 45 minutes in, and I'm thinking, okay, these guys have changed their format a little bit. So now we're, you know, just kind of talking about the film, you know, broadly. Yeah. And an hour and 45 minutes in, Ron's like, okay, you ready to get started on this? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So anyway, it's pretty, it's, <laughs> it's pretty hardcore. You can check that out at Zombie 7. It also releases today on Halloween. Before we jump in here to the final two films, number six and seven of the Child's Play franchise, you just want to remind everybody, if you listen to the previous episode, I am being punished from the audience because I kind of drifted through um, watching these. And so 
I will not be offering ratings, but I'll be offering a little bit of comments here and there. So my apologies to everyone. But my two buddies here are reliable as always. Wolfman Josh and Dr. Shock came through. So here we go. Let's move into our feature review of Curse of Chucky from 2013. When I first got cast, um, the audition process was kind of lengthy, and I didn't think I was going to get it because how it would be too perfect and weird. And then I got it, and I was probably, honestly, more afraid to do that project than any other thing I've ever been cast in. Because I was like, what if I suck? It's my dad's thing. And She first read for the part of the bitchy sister in Curse Which that is Danielle what I Fassiti generally played. get. I get cast as, like, and she w- And she was one. good, but when I saw her, I saw the audition, I was like, oh, actually, I think she'd be great as the lead. And so I immediately did the thing that I, I was not supposed to do. I called Brad, and yeah. I thought, I I think I think she'd be great as Nika, actually. And, and then my dad called me and he goes, Fiona, I just got a call from the director, Don Mancini, and he wants you to read for the lead. And I was like, cool, great, dad. <laughs> but that's just like not how it works, right? You, you it, in Hollywood, I, you know, you read and you get calls back and you test for things millions of times. And, you know, you get one in what did you, 75 parts. You came right? back so three times? I, yeah, so you, I didn't think I was going to get it until the studio test, I realized I was the only person there. And I was like, you honestly don't think anything ever is going to happen in Hollywood until the money is in escrow. <laughs> okay, guys, so Curse of Chucky, it actually uh, debuted on VOD, video on demand on September 24th, okay? And then... It was officially released on Blu-ray and DVD on October 8th of 2013. And I remember this. I remember when this happened. Because this was actually uh, the same. This was right before the launch of Horror Movie Podcast, in fact. It's kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's right. Maybe, Maybe the curse somehow... It helped inspire. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying. It's kind of interesting. Um, Sal mentioned to me that this came out on his birthday on Blu-ray, and he went around to four different stores on his birthday to try to find a Blu-ray because he wanted it so bad. So as we know, Sal's our resident uh, mm-hmm. Child's Play fan. So Absolutely. Yes, he is. That's right. And, and by the way, incidentally, like I don't know if people care about this kind of trivia, but um, I guess this was... Um, even though it was released direct to video in the United States like this, as well as video on demand, it was um, theatrically released in some countries such as Mexico and Brazil. I read that, so maybe nobody cares. But anyways, um, this was written and directed by Don Mancini, continuing this. Now, Josh, you're a, you're a director. I wanted to ask you a question about this. So Don Mancini is obviously committed to Chucky. I mean, I mean he loves child's play franchise now yeah. now it's a money maker he created it right yeah. right right and it's his it's his baby uh, seed of don mancini <laughs> but yeah. but honestly like okay so it's a money maker but do you think it's strictly that i mean as a director yourself if you did something of this nature where it's kind of like this quirky cult type um you know oddity could you see yourself going you know six seven films into the franchise I would hope not, but I think um, I think it's interesting that he has stuck with it, and I think I'm actually enjoying now that he's directing. I, I think that's better. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I think it's better to get his vision completely. Um, 
you know, because I know we know even as much as we love Tom Holland in the first film, um, I think a lot of the things that I, I disliked about where that went came from that and came from maybe uh, that interpretation of the script, the adding of the voodoo. And, I, and I'm more interested in kind of uh, some of the places that Mancini takes it in these latter two films that we're about to discuss. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. I don't know. I, I like the guy. I th- obviously, he has stories to tell. I mean, obviously, there must be a financial component to it, but I have to believe that um, he is still interested in telling these stories or, or else they would be doing reboots rather than sequels. Right. You know? Well, I, I do. I just think that some filmmakers tend to do this. Like, for example, James Cameron with this Avatar insanity i mean they're going to be like what five of those films i mean that's going to take probably the rest of that guy's life that's what he'll be doing but he's just really committed to that 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 universe that world you know (laughs) 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 easy no i'm just kidding so anyway no but I, i think no i think mancini especially bringing fiona duraf into this i think he's kind of found this new muse and a new direction to take the franchise and he seems very excited about it. She seems excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the audience is enjoying it as well from what I can glean. Yes, daughter of Brad Dourif. And, you know, I wondered, I, like, obviously it seems to me that it's like, okay, she was probably very familiar with her dad's, you know, contributions, significant contributions to the Child's Play franchise. And, you know, probably grew up kind of admiring that. And so it, I'm just speculating at some point getting to be involved with it was probably like this special thing for her, maybe a little family father-daughter thing. I mean, it's interesting because I've always been trying to figure out how Brad Dura feels about these films. Obviously, you know, it's iconic, but he's also not really in them compared to, you know, his, some of his other work. And he's so good on screen usually Mm -hmm. when he is on screen. And so it's interesting that he's maybe best known for other than because of the huge success of Lord of the Rings films, um, warm tongue, but but probably still best known for Chucky. Sometimes when I see interviews with him, I wonder if he doesn't resent that a little bit, or if he doesn't dislike the films uh, to some degree because you know he's not really as active as a participant as he might like to be in mm-hmm. them. Right. Especially, I was going to say with the new approach they have taken to animating the puppets. Yeah. which I don't know if you guys have heard about, but what that is, they record all of his audio originally, and then they program it into a computer with the mouth movements. So whenever he has a line, they just push a button, and it does all the mouth movements perfectly with the audio. Mm-hmm. So they ne- the animators on set never have to try to get the mouth movements correct. It's pretty slick, it's all, isn't it? It's all pre-programmed, yeah. Hmm. So that style, although really cool, does seem to limit even more his participation in the production side of things. And the film's budgets are getting smaller and smaller, too, so they probably can't afford to pay him to be on set. So I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Just a side question on this, Josh. So, so like, you know, as a filmmaker yourself, this is always intriguing to me to ask you filmmaker questions. But, like, um, do you think that, that that takes – I mean, because it is becoming so automated, like we heard in that clip – and not, maybe automated isn't the right word 100%, but do you think it's taking away from some of the artistry? Do you no, or, I, mean, or not? I, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't think so. I mean, it still takes a group of seven people to pull it off in, in real time. I will say, although the technology is so much further along in these latter films, 
I still kind of like the way they did it in some of those earlier shots. It had a more of an uncanny feel mm-hmm. to me. It feels a little bit more robotic now. Agreed. And maybe it is because of the way that that's done. Um, it, it's, it, it is weird because I'm sure to them, they're like, what are you talking about? This is so much more advanced than what we were doing back then with like air pumps or whatever, you know, like it's, and it's interesting. <laughs> um, Doug Jones, I saw was one of the guys who worked on seed of Chucky in the, he was in charge, I believe of, um, Tiffany's arms was his role nice. on that. But I was going to say um, Doug Jones could probably wow. pull off Chucky. <laughs> Like, yeah. like, you know, he's so good. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, but the technology they're using is so advanced, but st- there is something about it that, to me, doesn't look quite as creepy, mostly when it's, like, running across the floor and stuff. Those were the shots in the original that just, like, freaked me out. Mm-hmm. When he gets comes out of the fireplace or he you know, runs down the hallway or I'm just like, ah! like, And those were a real little person in a suit, you know, and there's, I don't know, something about that that really works for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's creepy. I, I will say, the face design is different in this one. And I thought, I, I'm sure like the Michael Myers masks to an old school child's play fan. This is really frustrating, but for me as an outsider, I think it looks really cool. I actually really like, and I almost imagine maybe this is what like the newest version of, the good guy doll would look like, you know, like when they redid the cabbage patch kids back in the day. Do you remember that? They did like mm-hmm. a revamp of the cabbage patch kids and they look different. Uh, yeah. This is kind of how I imagine that this is the revamped good guy doll. But, you know, we talked about the innocent doll look versus the monster look when we were talking about bride of Chucky. Mm-hmm. I like that this one has its cake and eats it too. It's a right. really nice mixture of those two things where you get the innocent doll, to the first half of the film, and it's doing things very similarly to how uh, Chucky acted in the first movie, which I think is a great idea. But then they are able to make that switch. Um, you know, the the scars come out, and Chucky the monster is revealed. And I don't know. I, th- I thought that was really great that they were able to do both things here. Well, and speaking of that, I mean, the, this. Uh, I think that for me, at least, I, I appreciate all of the, the practical stuff that was done previously. So I'm not, you know, disregarding that. But I think in this particular film, what we see, he looks, I think he actually embodies convincingly what it would look like if you know, some psychopath inhabited a doll. Like, you know, so like, I'm just, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes the eyes, I mean, the eyes look really real. It looks like somebody's in there looking out yeah. at you, you know? And that, so, yeah, I'm with you, Josh. I back you. I think that, you know, I actually appreciate this new look in this one. What say you, Dave? Yeah, definitely. Um, This did get back to that vibe of the first movie. And I think even expanded on it a little more of, of just the creepiness you know where we did get, it did, it made it made Chucky frightening again, yeah. um, and the look of it was a big part of that. I mean, some of those facial expressions when it when we started to see them later in the movie, yeah, I mean they could they were intense. I mean, especially the one where he's just watching the scene with the water, and just the way he was looking, you you see you sense the evil there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get you sense the evil in Chucky that. I don't know that we've sensed for some time in the series. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it made the cackle even even uh, more sinister. 
mm-hmm. uh, even though it's exactly the same. I think it, it, it and and it made that work. And I and I did like the setting too. I thought that the setting of of this uh, it's a creepy house. It yeah, really is. You know, I thought that that did as well. Just going back to Chucky for one second, I thought it was incredible that they were able to reclaim this tone after where they had gone with Bride yes, and Steed. It's, it's honestly shocking to me, and it, it's a testament to Mancini's work and also just to the creepiness and uncanniness of this original concept, that it still works if you do it, even following. Right, and I wasn't expecting it. I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting Bride or Seed of Chucky, but I certainly wasn't expecting this, this uh, you know, quote-unquote, return to form. Well, yeah, and right. I and I re- I respect the fact that um, you know, I was I was reading about this that that they wanted it was Mancini and uh, David Kirchner who who wanted to kind of get back to making Chucky scary again. They felt like that that's what the fans wanted. They got feedback, and the, you know they were they missed that the the original, and so I I appreciate that too. I think it's good that it's more straightforward horror, and I I back what you said too, Josh. I agree with you a hundred percent. It would be it would be a challenge, I think, to kind of overcome the silliness, you know, and, and get back to mm-hmm. more like you know brass tacks, serious business. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things is as the movie's going, you don't they, they do what they like they do what they did in the first movie where they're delaying. Um, uh, you know, what we all know is coming, and that's the, the doll moving around and, and talking. They're delaying that. So throughout the movie, I was wondering that, okay, well, when they finally do get to the Brad Dorif parts, is that going to then take me out of this mood? Is it going to sort of remind me of the sort of goofier later entries of, of um, you know, like the, the Bride and everything? And it didn't. I mean, not that Brad Dorf. I mean, Brad Dorf is... is you know, can do this. I think we all agree he's he was like the perfect voice for the character. Mm-hmm. But everything about this just sort of maintained the creepiness. And when he finally does, you know, enter the picture, it it, it he's right there with it, staying with that tone. And, and I really enjoyed that. No, I agree. And I think that first scene where we hear Chucky's voice is the first sentence he says for me was terrifying. I thought he really nailed that. And again, the new look, Absolutely. like the look on his face, having yeah. being more used to the scarred up monster now to go back to that little creepy doll face was frightening. Yeah, this is a weird, uh, very personal note, but um, you know, one reason why Chucky bothers me is because <laughs> like uh, I really resent Chucky the doll, <laughs> like the appearance of him, because um. At one point in my life, my mom was uh, dating this man who had a little son. He was, like, younger than me, like, by a few years. And he looked like Chucky in the face. Like, he had, like, that Chucky face. You know, not the screwed up face. But I'm just saying there were things about him that that I see in Chucky that remind me a lot. (laughs) And I really didn't like that kid. I resented that kid. And we didn't get along very well. (laughs) It was a rough time in my life. Stop judging me. But anyways... um, like it was just, you know, when I see that, I always want to punch Chucky in the face because of that kid. <laughs> that was very personal. Sorry about that. <laughs> I have issues. Just kidding. Anyways, 
I think more than any of the other films, this really feels like one of those late 90s slashers. And it's weird that it's taking place in 2013. You know, I think um, the other two films were so off the wall in terms of what they were. This one really feels like the types of movies we were getting, like the I Know What You Did Last Summers. In terms of the casting, now obviously, you know, it doesn't have that, you know, postmodern meta take that we were talking about that the bride and seed do this is returned to a horror film but i just felt like the characters that they chose the cast that they chose to play those characters felt like it was almost you know 10 years earlier to me mm. than, it, than it was i don't know mm-hmm. if that's a weird comment but no i, don't I know. love it, it felt I, a little out of time to me it felt like this movie took like took place in 99 i wouldn't be surprised well, and, and I feel like I think when they can accomplish that, I, I like when it, you, you know, when it when it ties into the continuity or the, the feeling of the, the 90s better. So I agree with you. I think that's really cool. What about you, Dave? No, I, I agree. And I, I, I like that they added some, you know, some depth to these characters. You know, after after making the dolls, the, the central figures um, for the previous two films that but now we get some like legitimate human characters here and, and giving them a little bit of depth. And um, I don't know that uh, at the very end when they sort of tie everything in, um, which also we should mention that we get, we do get Brad Dorff as Charles Lee Ray in this film, um, which I thought was, was interesting as well. I don't know if that was as successful, but uh, I still like that they went there. I still mm-hmm. like that they they said okay here's where here's here's what we're looking at before Chucky and he's a you know a creepy guy, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely I, I did like that that sort of uh, it's a throwback in, in in a lot of ways, not just to the first film but like you're saying to the eighty slashers and I I enjoyed that aspect of it. I appreciated where they went with this in terms of um, figuring out a new way to approach the story because clearly we were kind of over the original Barclay narrative. We were over the bride and seed approach and this was gave it a fresh take. I didn't love those scenes though with Brad Dourif and, and the the woman that he's doing those scenes with. I thought they were a little strange and over the top. Well, yeah, hearing, again, a really weird noise. You guys. Yeah. I was just, uh, uh, forgive me. Uh, and I was just going to say, um, it sounds like we exactly like we have the little baby creature from Eraserhead on the line with us. Like if yeah. pe- if people are hearing this, it's weird. We're on Skype with the little fetus from Eraserhead. Like, <laughs> hmm. it sounds like there's a fourth person online who is a serial killer and is like listening and making weird noises the entire time we're podcasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it, it's like the, um, you know, maybe Chucky's on there. It's like a plastic, squeaky, squishy Ooh, yeah, noise. It could, be, it could very well be Chucky. Yeah, it's probably Glenn or Glenda. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyways. Okay, so, so, any, yeah, anyway, sorry. I mean, I didn't, I, I got to say, I liked that they had Charles Lee Ray in it. Um, I'm not, I understand what you're saying, Josh. I didn't love those scenes either. And I certainly didn't love how they sort of tied it all back at the end. That felt yeah. a little little clunky. I also um, had like a very retcon 
Bond kind of feel to it, where you're like, okay, that felt a little bit forced, but I appreciated right. what they were trying to do. Yeah. And, and I, I feel did, like the, I, one I of the problems well. with this film is the budget is your, you know, the it's a lot. Uh, it takes so much money to do the the Chucky puppets that doesn't seem like there's much left for anything else. And like you mentioned, they have this really great set, but um, I did feel the budget a little bit more here when it came to some of the camera work and stuff than I had in previous uh-huh. films. And I didn't, I didn't, there's a, there's a, a, a portion in here involving um, uh, planting a camera on the doll. Yeah. That just seems, it's kind of like, well, wouldn't... That's the, not how that works. <laughs> no, no, it's not how that works. And wouldn't the daughter have had to be following the mother? It just, it just seemed, it seemed like a, the, the, the guy didn't think it through. Well, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, right. In normal, in reality, that would have had to have been the case. But yeah. what he didn't know is that this doll can walk around right. on its own. Right, without knowing that the doll could do that, it made even less sense. Yeah, his to, to put the, plan didn't make much that. sense. <laughs> yeah, not at all. I do think also that um, Don Mancini, we, we, it's it's about half and half here. I think there's half the type of people you would expect to see cast in a film like this. But I do think occasionally he casts kind of strange people that seem, I don't know how to put this, but kind of plain. Like they don't feel like movie star actors. They just feel kind of like average folks. It's almost like when you see like a really low budget indie film, and it's like, oh, this is clearly just the director's friends. Uh-huh. I feel like I get that a lot in Mancini's movies with some of the side characters, like the delivery men or the cops or, or whatever. You know, they just don't right. quite feel like professional actors. But there's again, there's something I kind of enjoy about that because mm-hmm. it's they're unexpected choices. They're not. They don't seem like the choice that, you know, central casting would, would cast where it's like real, you know, in, in normal movies, like everyone has really dramatic features, you know, and, and this, they're like, no, these are just regular folks kind of plain, plain mm-hmm. faces, except for Fiona Duroff, who has a little, little bit of her dad in her and looks awesome. Yeah. And she looks even cooler in the next movie. Uh, I think, I think actually a lot cooler in the next movie, but, um, she's really interesting looking. Mm hmm. And kind of like that weird, that weird level where it's like, I kind of think you're hot, but you also look like Brad Dourif. And so it's kind of twisting my brain a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with them. She's both. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap up this review here. Of the curse of Chucky. You guys did a good job on that. Um, I, I knew about half of what you were talking about there. So, um, <laughs> so uh, Wolfman Josh, what what is your final rating here on Curse of Chucky? I quite enjoyed it. I think um, of the films I've seen so far, it was one of my favorite sequels up there with uh, Part Three. I actually like it better than Part Three in in a lot of ways. It is a little standard, and some of the casting isn't my favorite, and and some of those. I mean, I don't know. It, it feels a little forced, I guess, with the retconning and with forcing these characters on this house. It doesn't feel very organic, but I like this switch up in story. Uh, the approach to the story and like the new direction he's going here. And I love um, Fiona Dorif. I think she's an awesome addition. And it, she doesn't quite, again, quite shine as much here as she does in the next film for me. But clearly, Don Mancini 
saw something in her and um and I think her casting is is a big deal for this franchise. So um and again I love the doll. I love it's changed throughout the film and I like that this is back to the basics. So I think I would give this one a six. And I would call this a high priority rental mm. if you especially if you're a slasher fan or or a Chucky fan and it's easy streaming recommendation for me because it's on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're into the whole Netflix and kill thing, that would be one <laughs> to check it out. Yes, it is. And you know, I was curious, like, do you know how Josh, you like to say things like, okay, I recommend you watch Halloween one, uh, two, and then yeah. H2O. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you, do you say something like that? Like in terms of like skipping bride and seed, like, do you think, do you recommend something along those lines for people or not? Um, um, yeah, I guess if you're not into horror comedy, if you're not into that kind of postmodern approach to film film stuff that a lot of people dislike that, I think there was a big backlash thanks to all the scream knockoffs. Um, I think you could probably skip those. Honestly, I think you could. I think the standouts in this franchise at this point are one and six, and I think you could probably just watch those and have a really good uh, image of what the child's play movies are in your mind, mm-hmm. you know? And I think they're quite trying as hard as some of the other sequels. Um, and it's doing something a little bit more interesting. Now, having said all that, it does take an hour for Chucky to become Chucky. And I, it, that is a little bit much for me at this stage in the franchise. Although I did appreciate the back to basics approach. I think they probably, didn't have to go that long. <laughs> right. We know who Chucky is. We're not, we're not really surprised by it. So, um, but in some ways it is kind of a reboot. And so it functions, I think uh, for a younger audience, maybe as a reboot mm-hmm. where they could just come in and watch this one. Yeah. I bet you're right about that. Okay. Thank you. So Wolf Andrush says six out of 10 calls it a high priority rental for curse of Chucky. And what do you say, Dr. Shock? I liked it even a little bit more. I'd probably go. Um, I'd probably go seven out of ten. I'd still say it's a high priority rental. Uh, I did uh, like the overall tone. I liked that return, um, and was impressed that they were able to re. Like you're saying, guys are saying regain that uh, after abandoning it for um, for a few films. Um, there's a there's a pretty interesting scene involving. Um, uh, chili, and I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't want to get into spoilers. <laughs> right. Um, where, you know, originally I thought, okay, well, all right, apparently, I thought it was meant for a specific character, but that's not how the scene played out. The scene played out more suspenseful, where, like, okay, well, who, who's got this? Who's got this chili? Um, and I liked that. I liked that they, they took it that way, although it ended up kind of going where I thought it was going to go. When they started the scene, um, I did like how they made that a little bit more suspenseful. I didn't mind some of the early stuff with the characters, uh, and a lot of it uh, was because of Fiona Dorf. I, I did uh, really enjoy her character um, and the sort of helplessness and the way she was being treated by the by the sister. Um, and the scenes with Chucky were. Uh, a return to form and, and Brad Dorf was great again. And, and um, 
I didn't, I wasn't real thrilled with the ending. And the only thing is, if people do skip um, forward, there is something at the very end that a reference they're not going to get. Um, you know, involving a character from Bride and Seed uh, making a return. That's true. But, you know, but um, I don't disagree. I think if you went one and then this movie, I think you would, you know, be able to. Uh, I think it would be a good uh, a good progression just to try it anyway. Uh, so yeah, seven out of ten, and I say high priority rental. Okay. You, you do make a good point though, Dave. That um, and we'll just say Jennifer Tilly makes an appearance in this film and the next film, right. and right. that will not make any sense whatsoever if you don't see uh, Bride and Seed. At least Bride. That's at least Bride. <laughs> well, even Seed. I mean, to know. Yeah. I mean the. Yeah. It follows. It follows the continuity of seed. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. Well, that sound on Skype, that uh, Eraserhead baby sound, is freaking me out. You guys, it's so weird because I don't think it's any of the three of us. It's. I was imagining um, Chucky when I heard it this last time, and really, actually, did kind of creep me out. Well, it's just like, what could that possibly be? But anyways. Sounds yeah. like a rubber ducky that's bed in the bathtub, and then someone's just like slowly squeezing the water out of it. <laughs> yes, it does. It's pretty amazing. With murderous intent. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. Okay, and at this point in Horror Movie Podcast episode 131, our Halloween episode, let's move into our feature review of Cult of Chucky from 2017. Curse of Chucky was, in fact, a deliberate attempt to go back to the tone of the first movie. And it seemed like that that was pretty successful at that, but that was following two comedy-centered movies with Bride and Seed. So after we did Curse, I I just never want to make the same movie over and over again. So with this one, the goal was to retain that legitimately scary tone, but at the same time up the wacky quotient, which, I mean, that's part of what we love about him, I think, is that he's he's a funny character, and certainly that's the tone that Jen brings as Tiffany as well. The character feels really fully developed. Like, he really, he's not just funny, but he has a history, and he's specific, and you guys kept the same actor. Hashtag Brad Dourif rocks. The fun aspect, I won't say comedy, because I don't consider this movie a comedy per se. I mean, I think it's a horror movie, but it's uh, but it's funny because of Chucky. But I think in the a- era of Annabelle, it's really important that we embrace Chucky's identity. <laughs> Guys, we were under the impression, or at least we just assumed, that this would be in the theaters. <laughs> but it turned out that it was a, uh, a DVD Blu-ray release on October right. 3rd, 2017. So we had actually planned to watch this together in the theater in Salt Lake City. And, you know, it would have been it would have been a beautiful thing. But instead, we got to see uh, Happy Death Day. That's, that's the first strike <laughs> against this movie. Because <laughs> it failed I'll you. you I'll, I'll tell you what the second strike is. The poster. So we, we have a friend of the show, I.B. Trav, who people will know him best for doing the Scooby-Doo scenes with the, uh, you know, famous monsters. It would be, you know, they, they call it the... Um, you know what I'm talking about? His Lost Mysteries series where oh, it'll yeah. be like yeah. Freddy Krueger with the Scooby gang or whatever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. 
So he did an awesome poster for Cult of Chucky just when the title was announced. And when I saw that, I was like, this is amazing. And I thought maybe they'll even use this because it's so good. And then their poster comes out. It's First of all, it's just not even close to as good as his. But they just straight up ripped off a grind one of the grindhouse alternative posters. It's got Chucky with a syringe, and it's and the tagline is "You may feel a little prick." That is exactly wow. exactly one of the grindhouse posters. I can't believe yeah, they did is. that. Wow, that's oh. cheap. Yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, describe um, Ib Trav's poster because I'm I'm looking him up here and. Oh, uh, well, Ivy Travs has, um, <laughs> I mean, one thing, you know, he didn't know what the movie was about, so he's just basing it on the title, but it has these people in these kind of cult robes with their arms outstretched doing the chant, and it's got Chucky's laying on a pentagram I see and him. kind of floating there. I don't know, it was just cool. And then he did one that was completely illustrated, and then a friend of his who does photography and Photoshop art did like a live action version of that as well, mm-hmm. but... Uh, yeah, both so, of them are in my, in my mind are cooler than a ripped off poster that's just totally derivative of, and, and not only derivative, but it's just straight up stealing the tagline of another movie. <laughs> kind of bugs, but yeah, that bugs me too. I'm with you. Okay, so Josh, give us the premise for this one here. So in Cult of Chucky, we've seen Fiona Durf's character. She's gone through this horrible experience in Curse of Chucky. And as with most of the people who come into contact with Chucky, they are seen as insane because the only thing they can do to explain all of these deaths is that a little doll did it and no one ever believes them, right? And so this movie starts out with Nika um, in an insane asylum, basically admitting that she is the culprit, that she was the killer in Curse of Chucky, believing herself to be insane. And in kind of reaching that level in her treatment, she is sent to a medium security um, institution out of the high security institution that maximum security institution was in. And of course, one of the great things about being a medium security institution is that she can have visitors and receive mail and so uh, Jennifer Tilly comes to pay her a visit and delivers a little doll to her that, uh, you know, starts to wreak havoc within this mental oh. hospital. And so that's the basic setup here. Uh, Nika is terrorized. Um, and, and, and in an interesting way that we haven't really seen where she isn't sure if she's sane or not. And I think that adds an interesting dimension to this film that we haven't seen in the child's play films up until this point. We also get a return of Andy Barclay and uh, his scenes are (laughs) interesting to say the least. Um, And, and I, and not to completely sense this review, but it seems to be setting up a sequel that is a hardcore uh, Andy Barclay sequel to this film. So that should be interesting to see adult Andy, um, really, you know, going to face Chucky once again. But man, I just thought that Fiona Duroff was so good in this movie. She is w- even way better than she was in the last one. Way better. She's, uh, I mean, just a great actress. And I was surprised to see 
this performance in this movie. I just, uh, it's one of the best performances we've seen in the entire series. Maybe the best performance we've seen in the entire series. Nice. What, my opinion. I would, I wouldn't disagree. I think she's excellent, uh, in the part. And I think that the scenes with her, um, and she's in most of the movie, but the scenes with her are definitely the strongest in the film. Yeah. Um, I did have a few issues with this. For me, this movie would be like the Jason Goes to Hell <laughs> of, the, of the Chucky series because they really? completely changed the rules. Yes. You know? I can and, see that. In a big way, they changed the rules as to what went before. Um, mm. That all of a sudden, Chucky now has, the, has a power that he never had before. Um, which, uh, it, it, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the get. This was the last one I saw, obviously. He, um, he does explain that he's read a book called Voodoo for Dummies, which has given him some ideas. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I, I can understand that, but, and then I can't. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, right. I didn't, I don't know that I, I definitely loved that direction. Um, but then, uh, one of the problems I have with modern movies set in this sort of hospital and even touch on it a little bit. There's a slight reference to it in the film is the fact that there are security cameras everywhere. Um, and you know, you have some characters who are dying off screen that I would think one of the first things they would do would say, Hey, let's take a look at the footage. Let's take a look at the security footage. Um, so the whole, they do, they do cover their bases with that though. They do, but, but then they, but they never do go back and look at the footage though. Do they? Well, it's uh, my understanding is that it's missing, and maybe I misunderstood that. But the okay. doctor says, and maybe the doctor I says to Nika, he says, "Now you know we have this, we have you know this stuff on on." I tape. know they mentioned, yeah, they mentioned it, yeah, he mentioned. And if this it. tape was to go missing, who do you think the prime suspect would be? And she's like, uh, "Was it me?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. So. Right. It, it seems like maybe that footage has gone missing, but I, again, maybe. I may have misread that. And maybe, and maybe I missed that too. Maybe I missed that part of it too. Um, I'd also say anyway. the inmate. Did you? What did you think of the inmates, though? Because I thought this was the best supporting cast we've seen in one of well, these. Well, it was movies. an interesting. It was an interesting mix. You know, it was an interesting mix. Um, you had some that were like real creepy. Uh, then you had uh, like the real militant one. Um, Mm-hmm. And then the one who was real friendly for obvious reasons that we got early on in the movie. Right. Um, so I did like, no, I, and I thought that they did a good job too. I thought that the acting in this one was, was pretty strong. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to cast too many aspersions here, except for Andy. I, I just don't think, <laughs> right. that guy, you know, we, we picked on him as, as a child actor and I don't know that he's improved. Right. I think he's improved a lot, but he's still not good. <laughs> You're right. Right. I like him though. Like again, I think maybe it's just I like a the, I like thing. that they brought him, I like that they brought him back and I liked yeah. his scenes. I, especially the those early scenes with him. Yeah. Uh, when we get this sort of revelation of what he's doing. I I thought that was really interesting. I didn't think he needed to be in this movie, so that's kind of what I was yeah. alluding to before. I feel like it's almost only setting up a sequel. Mm-hmm. With with him, but yeah, I didn't quite get his inclusion just because I didn't feel it necessary. I feel like Nika's story is so strong. I mean, at first I thought, okay, this is a nod back to the to the original movies, but then you're right because mm-hmm. he disappears for so long a time. 
yeah. he's just absent from this movie for such a long stretch. Yeah. Then to suddenly sort of turn up towards the end, I think you're right. I think he's there strictly to to say, okay, well, here's where we're going to go in the next movie. Right. Okay, so it sounds like I like this movie a lot better than you. What I'm going to say about it is I think this is the perfect tone for a child's play movie. I know I actually prefer the Christopher Chucky tone myself, but I think if you are trying to strike a balance between comedic Chucky and scary Chucky, I think this is the movie that strikes that perfect balance. They have figured out just, you know, after doing two comedy movies and then coming back with a horror movie, they figured out how to ride that line. Exactly right. Plot wise. You're right. I don't love where this goes with the plot and the new powers that Chucky has. I'm just not only is it not that interesting to me, but um, I just don't like aesthetically what I'm looking at on screen anymore either. Uh, but I think this was for me; it was so worth it for these these uh, supporting performances. And you know, we've got uh, is it Adam Hertig who played Malcolm, uh-huh. and uh, and then, and again Fiona Duruf. I, mean, I just yeah. thought she was incredible. So yeah. I, don't, I don't. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I think Fiona. I think Fiona Dorf was uh, was really good. And I did. I didn't dislike the scenes with Chucky. Um, and I did some of his lines, even when they were sort of comedic, still had that edge to them. Uh, like yeah. He was talking about the one uh, doctor. Hey, I don't know whether to, to, to kill this guy or take notes. Yeah. You know, I, I, there, there was. So he was. He definitely. He definitely was still creepier here than he was in in either I would say Bride or Seed. Yeah. Um, so I and I did like that. And there's there's uh, now. What did you think of the dream sequence, or what would be the equivalent of a dream sequence? I guess it's more under hypnosis. Right. With the with the with the. Well, I don't want to get into the spoilers, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Where where um, Fiona Fiona Dora's character is is either dreaming or under hypnosis and she thinks she sees what's going on. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, the movie did play with my expectations several times where I wasn't quite sure who, yeah. where, and what, you know, who it had that interesting element, like almost the whodunit element to it of like, Oh, I'm not sure who the bad guy is. Mm-hmm. And they, one of the scenes, particularly with a, a grave, yes. a grave site, that yes. really worked for me. That did for me too. I liked that scene as well. I thought that was a very good scene. Um, and just when the character comes out and gives mm-hmm. that look, you know, you're kind of like, "Oh, did, did yeah. something happen here? Did something yeah. happen that oh, that we couldn't see?" And and we kind of know based on the history of it that what might have happened. Yeah, it was per- it was perfectly done in yeah. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Also, Elizabeth Rosen and Grace Ling Kung, I thought they were both really strong uh, yeah. supporting. And you, get, and you get that sort of um, the, uh, that added creepiness with the mother and the child. You know, the, yeah, that's, the, the one Chuck. That was Mom, Elizabeth but, Rosen. Yeah, yeah she, she did creepy. a great job and, and um, you know, it's a, sort of uh, adopts, as it were, the, uh, the Chucky doll as her, as her uh, lost child. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there were definitely things and I didn't dislike the movie. I really didn't. I did like it, um, quite a bit in some scenes. I just had some issues with, uh, like I said, that whole, you know, like I just kept thinking of 
Jason goes to hell with, uh, you know, only only a Voorhees can kill a Voorhees. Well, when did that come into play? <laughs> right. You know, and that's why that's why this one sort of changed that up for me as well. And I didn't necessarily. I thought this either. was different than that. In that, this is. I feel like this is something that could be discovered um, by this character and worked but into. Then it doesn't explain that first one, does it? Uh, which first with one? And, the scene with oh. Andy. I mean, not to me, but yeah, I mean, I guess it was just, I guess we're just to assume that it took place off screen. Andy thought, you know, that he had essentially, you know, this is a spoiler for the very first scene of the movie, but I'm still going to go easy on it. Uh-huh. Andy thought he had contained Chucky as a threat and he was wrong. And we don't see, we don't see how that comes to pass, but it's interesting I think it's an interesting use of it's not my favorite. I think it is a case of that double mumbo jumbo that we've talked about on the show before, where uh-huh. you're asking the audience to buy into too many things at once. And so it just starts to feel like you're in a fantasy movie, but right. I don't know. I didn't mind that it. Was, that was my biggest, that was my biggest problem with the film, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, and I can other- totally see that. I absolutely understand that problem with it and it does make it a lot cheesier like it results in some really goofy scenes as well but i don't know to me there was a lot more good here than bad okay (laughs) and i don't disagree i think that um and i really do if they do um follow through and they do do another movie with andy barkley they've got to have um fiona dorf in it i mean i think she's almost i mean they set it up that she'd have to be Yes, in the sequel, um, which which that I kind of liked, um, but I just hope that I hope that it almost centers on her again. If they do do another movie, because she's she's one of the best additions to the series, I think. I agree. If not the, if not the best. I agree. Yeah, nice. she's great, and and again, Chucky looked better here. Um, for my taste. Yes, well. I agree. He got a little bit more fluid than he had been on the previous one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to see him do a little more. That's why. I mean, you know, he's, he's yeah, a little more very, active yeah. this time around. Still feels like a mechanical maquette to me as opposed to the, the eeriness of that first movie. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. What about you, Jay? Did you <laughs> see enough to... <laughs> no, no, I, I, com- I pretty much completely slept through this. If I'm being 100, <laughs> percent like I, I did, it's terrible. Did you rent it? Did you pay this week through the? Yes, I did. 4.99 on Amazon. What? This is on Netflix, guys. Cult. Uh, yeah, cult I, is. I saw it on. I saw it on Netflix. Because I knew the one was on. What? Which one was on Netflix? Curse and Cult are both on Netflix right uh-huh. now in the in the United States. I have Curse on Blu-ray, but I did see Cult on Netflix. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> now I'm stupid. Ouch. <laughs> I know. It's even worse. You pay to well, sleep you, I hope through you a movie. Really enjoyed your nap for that for four ninety nine. <clears throat> yeah, I guess. I usually just take naps for free. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve it. I deserve that. So, anyways. All right, so uh, you guys did a. I, I actually, I was. It was fun to be in the listener position during this review, and just hear you guys talk about it. I really enjoyed it. Well, well done. Um, what? So, Doctor Shock, how about you bringing it home then with your final thoughts and your rating of Cult of okay. Chucky? 
for me, this is just slightly below Curse of Chucky. So I would say a 6.5. I still think it's a, it's a, I still say it's a high priority rental. I think these two movies together do make a good double feature. Um, I did have an issue, like I said, with, with where they went a little bit with Chucky um, and his new powers. Um, and it's possible that I missed something too, Josh, with the, with the, with the footage. I know they did mention at some point something about the surveillance footage mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and maybe I just didn't put that together. Um, but uh, there's still a lot of strength here. And it does have me anxious to see. I would watch another movie in this series. I mean, you know, there's a feeling that I don't think most people got after Seed of Chucky. But I like this new direction and I would definitely want to see uh, another film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you say 6.5, Dave? Just want to make sure I got it right. Yes, yeah, 6.5. You, was, I, was I not coming through? Was no, I, no, it was uh, good. I just want to make sure I um, okay. heard you. Yep. And you tell people to like stream it on Netflix then, apparently. Yeah, I'd okay. say it's a high-priority rental. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, Josh, go ahead. There are definitely problems with the movie. I don't think it needs the Andy Barclay stuff. I don't think it needs the Jennifer Tilly, Tiffany stuff. And those are distractions, in my opinion. I also don't love the double mumbo-jumbo of this added... Um, power that Chucky has. Having said that, I think, and also you, you guys know, I love me a good uh, murder in a house scenario. I love my Agatha Christie and, and Perot and, and clue. And so, so as much as that, you know, curse is exactly my setting. I think this is light years better in my opinion, despite all those problems, simply because the performances are so much fun to watch the supporting cast of the other inmates, which is just like three or four people. And especially Fiona Duroff is so good. I think, um, even though even some of the other performances around them, aren't that great. Like some of the, the rest of the supporting cast is kind of, uh, doesn't feel real. Like the nurse doesn't feel like a real nurse. She feels like a, fantasy movie yeah, character I thought, it was, I thought it was interesting that this, you know you don't usually see a nurse judge a patient yeah. i've never seen that in a movie and you, you kind of get that in one scene here yeah and i like there's a you know um brad Dourif's character makes a cuckoo's nest reference which is nice <laughs> right yeah <laughs> seeing as that that was the movie didn't he win the oscar for that for i cuckoo's don't nest? i don't know if he i he was at least nominated for the. I Oscar. think he was. I think he was nominated. I don't know that. I don't know that he won it. That was his debut. I think that was his screen debut. Uh, one for over the cuckoo's nest. But um, yeah, I mean, this is arguably my favorite in the film in the franchise due to Fiona Dorif. I don't know. She's a revelation for me in this movie. And again, I liked her okay in Curse, but a lot of that praise I was giving her during. Our curse review was actually for this movie. I just I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed her on screen. Um, I thought it was awesome, and it added such an interesting new dimension to the to the story for me. But again, yeah, there there were a lot of downsides as well. Still, for me, I'm going to come in at a six point five. I think this is right up there with the best stuff in the series. Um, and I, I toyed with giving this one a seven. But Dave, Dave did talk me down a little bit because there are a lot of problems with it as well. But uh, this is a high-priority rental for me. Again, easy recommend because it's streaming for free on Netflix in the United States, at least. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I did want to mention one thing, and I, I did not touch on it earlier. One of the aspects, and I think you kind of, you, you did mention it, Josh, is, is with the whole idea of uh, Fiona Dora's character um, now unsure, you know. I think it's interesting when, when the movie does that, when, when it takes a character who we know what's happened. She yes. knows what happens and no one's believed her, but yet she goes through the system and now all of a sudden doesn't believe it. Yeah, it's and great. And I kind of like that. I like that they, that they did that here, and I like it when, when some movies do that, that they now have the character saying, no, that's, I now know that's not what happened, and, and how could I ever be, you know, uh, please forgive me, and, and all this other stuff, when we're like, no, you're yeah. right, <laughs> they're wrong, and I like that, and I think that she handled that very well, too. Absolutely, yeah. Honestly, she's like one of my favorite new actresses. I've been watching her on the Dirk Gently Holistic Detective show a little bit, too, which is hard to recommend because it's so weird, but... um between between Curse and Colt and Dirk Gently, all of which I've come to in the last two months, um, she's becoming one of my favorite actresses of her generation. Nice. I like her. Okay. Well, I mean, her dad is he's got some serious skills, right? So Yeah, and I think oh, again, yeah. she's not gonna be like a movie star probably ever, but I think as a just a totally weird character actress, you know, she's got my I think she's great. That's you can almost see her doing stuff like maybe early Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, she'd be great she'd, in that. She, she would probably be great in that sort of sort of film. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. So that's uh, a review of a uh, cult of Chucky. I think a lot of people find dolls very, very creepy. I think it's sort of like clowns that people find dolls. The fact that it's something that looks so much like a human and yet doesn't, it's sort of distorted. And I think everybody's had that nightmare when when they're looking at their dolls at night that they think, ooh, wouldn't it be creepy if their dolls started to um, talk? Well, it might be the worst nightmare. You know, your favorite toy turns out to be a homicidal maniac. I know I had some very, very bad nightmares with the, my Barbie collection, which I'm I'm, I'm not proud to say that I had a pretty extensive collection. Barbie in Vegas was my favorite. I think that, that people have always loved the idea of images of themselves in twilight form being brought to life. Twilight Zone talking, Tina, the clown and poltergeist. There's just something unnerving about it. And yet with Chucky, there is not only something unnerving about this little innocent uh, cabbage patch-like creature that has come to life, but there's also something fun about the fact that he has a bit of a foul mouth that he says things that uh, that that a lot of us can't say and that he's able to get away with. He is somebody who doesn't care. I mean, he's just so focused to go his own way, to get what he wants. Well, he's constantly looking at me, you know, and I always catch him staring. And there's just something about him and his, his eyes, you know, it just... I think there's a real soul in there, despite all his toughness and... I think there's something about him. Kind of sexy, in a sick, twisted kind of way. If a character's been around long enough, people start to have affection towards him. So in the beginning, he was just this horrifying little gremlin. And now people are kind of, they relate to him. I'll kill every last one of you! Kidding, just kidding. Kids love it when I do that. So before we uh, wrap up our show, I just want to go through a little franchise overview and discuss it as as a whole, and I'll contribute as much as I can. <laughs> but um, so, guys, 
the, the first thing I wanted to ask you, Josh, because you weren't here for very long when we reviewed, um, you know, Child's Play 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we lightly touched on, you know, the the blame that Part 3 got for the murders and stuff. And uh, did you want to talk about that? So I came across an article that's called Five Times the Chucky Movies Inspired Horrifically Real Acts of Murder and Torture. And that caught my attention, obviously. Um, this was written by James Swift, October 10th, 2016. And it goes through five real-life cases that are really shocking. Um, all of them tied to the Child's Play series, some stronger than others. You know, some have basically no case, and others like, well, I can see that. Um, should I, how in depth do you want me to go on these? Well, we'll go go for it. I'm I'm kind I'm very intrigued by this actually. So, okay. so number think? one on this list, and again, this is just pulled from James Swift's article at ThoughtCatalog.com. Number one. Two British tweens murder a toddler after allegedly watching Child's Play 3. So I remember hearing about this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this happened in 1993, and it was a really gruesome act. Two jerks whose names I will not mention, there were 10-year-old boys, tortured this poor little toddler. Yeah, uh, Just a heinous, heinous crime. And... Um, but you know the 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 very loose tie to the child's play films is that the father the one of the parents' fathers had rented the third child's play film for them mm-hmm. uh, previous to this happening. Uh, a lot of people have said, well, he rented a lot of movies. It's not clear that they watched this one. and uh, but this this was uh, used as kind of this flashpoint to clamp down on R-rated VHS sales in the UK. And mm-hmm. and uh, there's this big media campaign to try to stop the violent content. But but this is one that's kind of a specious connection to the Child's Play films. Yeah, and we and we had talked about in this particular case, yeah, like the, the psychiatrists or whatever had established or they believed that there was no real connection there, but it was definitely blamed. And, and Josh... We had actually discussed before on Movie Podcast Weekly, I did a mini-review of Little Monsters from 2012, which is a film that kind of is is based or inspired by that horrific story. Can't really recommend it just because it's it's just awful and not not a great experience to have. So anyway, but anyways, go ahead. So what's the next one? Number two, half a dozen sociopaths torture and murder a teenager in the name of Chucky. Um, now, this one is a true story about a 16-year-old. She was kind of kidnapped and, and tied to a bed and tortured over a long period of time. Um, and they were the kids who, who did this to her were blasting this rave song that had samples from a child's play movie. So that's the connection there. Um, I, I, the song was, uh, 150 volts is the band and hi, I'm Chucky want to play is the song. Um, and yes, it was simply sampling, uh, bits from the child's play movies mm-hmm. for that, for that song. But yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible situation. And, um, and again, to me, kind of a specious tie to the child's play films, but who knows, who knows? Yeah. 
Uh, number three, a deranged Chucky fan in Australia sets a high mark in mass murder. Well, this is terrifying. Um, this is April 28th, 1996. Australia experienced its worst ever mass shooting incident. Um, a 27-year-old went on a killing spree at uh, Port Arthur Historical Site in Tasmania. It resulted in 35 fatalities with an additional 23 people wounded. Um, this person received a 35 life sentences plus an additional 1,035 years with no chance of parole for any reason. So uh, they got him. <laughs> right, right. But uh, uh, this this perpetrator, again, whose name I won't mention, his girlfriend, uh, who, you know, this is a 27-year-old, had a 16-year-old girlfriend at the time, and she revealed that um, that this guy was a big fan of Child's Play 2. And that was his favorite movie. And um, that was kind of his inspiration, according to the 16-year-old girlfriend. So Hmm. he loved Chucky. He thought he was really cool. And, uh, yeah. So that one one seems like it may have actually been tied to the films. Yeah, actually inspired a little. Okay. I got you. Number four, two more UK teens attempt pedicide after viewing the Chucky flicks. So in 2009, um, there was, again, youth-on-youth violence. These two siblings, ages 10 and 11, were arrested and charged with attempted murder of an 11-year-old boy and his 9-year-old brother. So, um, yeah, just, again, kind of this uh, horrible crime. The, the, the quote that they have here with relate, that relates to um, child's play is that from the ages of six and seven, these young kids were allowed to sit through the child's play videos. That's according to the Daily Mail, um, while their mother smoked cannabis. So apparently the mom would would smoke weed and put on the child's play movies for these kids. They went on to, um, you know, try to murder these two other kids. So that's awful. Wow. Yeah. And lastly, uh, number five, the lunatic Ruski transfers herself into the real life bride of Chucky. So as you, this is what it says here. Would you believe that as late as 2015, the child's play films are still being cited in high profile mass murder cases. Ladies and gentlemen, 25 year old Russian woman who alongside her 20 year old male companion was arrested in 2015 for murdering a dozen people on the streets of Moscow. Police said the duo began the duo began targeting homeless individuals in 2014. Their attacks were incredibly vicious. One of the victims was purported, purportedly stabbed more than a hundred times. And of course, this being the digital age and all, the gruesome twosome kept photographs of their victims, many of whom had their stomachs sliced upon and dissected, hopefully post mortem on their home computer. So wow. incredibly incredibly violent and eerie. Um the killer, she told investigators that she was utterly obsessed with the 1998 film Bride of Chucky and even got tattoos of the film's antagonists on her arms. This movie, released over 15 years ago, became a sort of instruction tape, said one of the Russian news agencies. Randomly stabbing the body of a dying human brought her pleasure compared to sexual pleasure. If that sounds hauntingly familiar, it should. It eerily echoes a quote from the movie 
character. I'll kill anybody, but I'll only sleep with someone I love. So. Wow. Yeah. Yikes. Pretty, pretty heavy stuff there. Yeah, it is all heavy stuff. And it's just, uh, thanks for reading it. I think it's, I think it's interesting because, um, you know, I can't, at least isn't present in my mind, like any other kind of horror movie that has been tied, right? As much. Can you think of another horror movie that's been tied or at least, uh, you know, accused of being tied to that many? No, and and I think it's interesting because this is one of our most charismatic killers, right? And the killer is the star of the show. And unlike Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, where they're just silent, this is someone who's cracking jokes, is very um, relatable in some ways. We see them having a relationship and like, you know, like a, a child. And so maybe it's even more relatable to people. Also, it goes back to that thing of, children right this is you know especially with these two kids who whose mom just played in these movies um you know i i don't know i don't know the effect that this has on the human brain but i I would think that if it does have one it was probably much more extreme in children and so Mm -hmm. um yeah that's what's interesting that's what i wondered too is if if this was an example of you know the reason for this film being like messing up people is because you know, parents assumed or thought it was like a kids' movie. Oh, yeah. Which we yeah. which we heard like from one of our listeners even said that like, um, you know. And, oh, and, I, I saw an interview with Don Mancini about Cult of Chucky, and uh, this guy comes up, you know, at the Q and A to ask a question, and he's wearing like a Chucky costume, and he says, "Hey, I just want to tell you, you know, your movie changed my life. I saw it when I was like five years old. My mom thought it was a kids' movie and put it on." And, you know, it's been my favorite thing ever since. And he said, if I had like a dime for every time I'd heard that story, you know, and he, the kid was like, really? And he's like, oh, yeah, happens all the time. People thought it was a kid's movie and put it on. Like, it's a very common wow. thing. They, they do put ratings on these things for a reason. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's, you know, that would be my theory as to why this, these, this franchise has such not- notoriety. But, but also it's weird, too, because we talked about even in the first episode i think on the first movie we had discussed the way that what you have here essentially i mean even though it's a serial killer adult but he's in this toy body and he looks like a child so it looks like a child is doing this and um i don't know there's something about that and there's also one could i'm just saying i'm i'm not purporting this but i mean one could say okay this is a a possession type of movie too. And I wonder if this is a, you know, a devil maybe do it kind of influence with, with people. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. Fun. I mean, I tend to agree with the scream motto of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, movies don't create psychos. They just make psychos more creative. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe that for adults, the movies can make you do it, but for children, I think that's a whole different story and who knows, you know, and mm-hmm. I think it's quite possible. These things can have a, a, a early and disturbing effect on you, you know, and, and, you know, and, and as I say that, I know a lot of our listeners grew up watching horror movies. I certainly grew up watching horror movies, so yeah. I'm not saying we're all yeah. psychopaths, but Mm-mm. still, you know, yeah, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not intended yeah, I mean, for children. Uh, Ahead, exactly, Dave. and I guess it does have something to do with the fact that, like you're saying, it's a doll, and it's a doll doing this, and that probably, uh, yeah, it's going to affect children more, because I grew up watching movies, uh, you know, uh, not too much younger or older than the kids in these uh, in these news stories, 
and never walked off having that, you know, feeling like that. But then when, when Chucky came out, I was out of high school, <laughs> you know, so I didn't have an experience with that sort of uh, film from my younger days. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, I mean, apparently, I mean, this franchise has had, obviously it's had some legs and it's, it's spanned some generations too. I mean, it, it's, it's targeted a lot of age groups and maybe not intentionally. I, I mean, I doubt Mancini wanted to have kids watch it, but, but there have been so many people exposed to it. So maybe the exposure as well. I mean, so we can't be dismissive or disregard, not that we have, but we can't be dismissive of child's play franchise because it, it sounds like it's pretty significant in horror cinema. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, I think it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, okay. Anything else you want to say about this franchise before we close out our Halloween episode? I mean, I think we've said it all, but I, I, I do agree with some of the ideas that we've talked about throughout and that our listener Sal and other people have brought up, which is it has been surprisingly for me, surprisingly, I should say um, consistent throughout. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with Don Mancini and Brad Dourif being involved all the way. And, mm-hmm. and the producer as well, whose name I'm, I'm blanking on right now, but I, I think it's rare that we see a creative team like that carry through an entire franchise. I think that's uh gilded good results. It's just, it's still just not my kind of thing. If people wonder why my reviews are so low, it's just, it's just not my kind of movie really. And, and, and really like visually I find Chucky just so off putting <laughs> right? and not, in a, not in a good way. Like in the first movie when he's uncanny, that is a good way, but it's just not, it's not the kind of thing I want to look at, you know. I the visuals are a big part of my movie going experience, and mm-hmm. just not that pleasing to me. I don't like him as a character, his particular type of charisma with the kind of we've described him as a New York cabbie. <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> fair to cabbies, but right. just kind of his, you know, just kind of his, you know, foul mouth kind of jerky thing. It's just not the kind of character I'm interested in following as a as a main character, you know, so it's, it's just not my kind of thing, but I get it. And it's absolutely as horror franchises go. I think one of the stronger in staying what it is and knowing what it is and constantly evolving yet, not um, ever destroying kind of the roots in which it came from. And I, you know, they do retcon it a bit with curse, but I think it's actually to good effect. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's interesting the way that the Chucky character is uh, kind of a combination of uh, other slasher characters in some ways. Like, for example, we have him, I mean, he's got the Freddy Krueger type of, you know, wit. He's got the the, the quip, you know, the smart aleck things. and Banter, yeah. Yeah, the banter and stuff. And then, you know... I, I'm sure Halloween fans would freak out like a bit, but I mean, there, there are touches of Michael Myers and, and Jason Voorhees in him. Like, like specifically speaking, I mean, he's a slasher killer, but also the fact that he is essentially indestructible. And when he is destroyed, he still comes back again. So you can never yeah. really get rid of him. And so it, it's interesting to me that he's kind of a blend of those things, but no, I think you're right. Yep. I agree. 
All right. Well, there you go. We hope you've enjoyed the uh, Child's Play franchise review. Uh, We wish everybody a happy Halloween from Horror Movie Podcast. It's been a great month. I want to thank Dr. Shock and our listeners for contributing the written reviews in our 31 days of Halloween. Some really good stuff in there. And so uh, we appreciate that. Has that been fun, Dave? Uh, yeah, I mean, this one's <laughs> been a little bit more of a challenge just because of the meetup and mm-hmm. um, this year more so than ever, just things at work, um, uh, you know, situations has made. That's why I'm, I'm so anxious to get the challenge done because it's becoming more difficult now. Right at the end, it's becoming more difficult than it has for six and a half years. Um, this this right. last uh, year, I'd say, um, has just been much more difficult. Uh, so I'm anxious to get this the challenge done for that reason. But it's great to have the listeners step up and and contribute some really you know excellent reviews. Mm-hmm. My Halloween watching has been this has been one of the worst years on record for me. I I you know typically try to watch a horror movie a day during the month of Halloween, or at least a creepy Halloween type movie. It's not always a horror necessarily, but like I end up watching a lot of movies with my kids, but I don't know, you know, there was so much going on this month with the meetup and everything. And my wife Mm -hmm. has, has taken this turn over the last few years where she'll only watch television. So on, on the upside, I was able to get her to watch stranger things, but I just cannot get horror movies in this month. And it's man, it's been such a weak month for me. So many kids' movies, man. So, but at least you know, at least yeah. Halloween themed, but mm-hmm. monster themed. But man, this was one of my worst thirty-one days of Halloween ever in terms of uh, my performance, <laughs> brother. Uh, I I can relate one hundred percent, and I had the same experience. Yeah, it's been wild. But I did see I did see some good stuff though. I saw the bar, which was interesting. I want to talk about on the show. Uh, Boys in the Trees, which was interesting. I want to talk about on the show. Mm-hmm. The Babysitter. Um, well, yeah. I'm, well, I'm glad well, you're teasing those because we actually yeah. our next episode is going to be a Frankensteinian episode, and we'll be we'll, we're going to be uh, bringing a bunch of reviews there in that one because that's just random whatever we've been watching lately, yeah. and and now we're the Bad ca- Batch. Yes. I'm excited to talk about Gerald's game. I'm excited to talk about. I'm very excited to talk about that one too. And so, I mean, basically, listeners, this is the point in the year where we're starting to wrap up and wind down for our end of the year and to try to catch up so we can put together our top 10 lists and everything. So it's getting exciting. Hey, real quick, real quick, and just because it's the Halloween episode, maybe this is a little, a little side. How are you guys thinking? I know we were talked at the beginning of the year, hoping it would be 2016. How are you feeling it's shaping up to 2016 uh, this year, 2017, thus far, this late in the game? I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's quite 2016 for me, but it's it's. I think it's been a really good year, at least looking at my list. I don't think there are as many honorable mentions as I had last year, right. but my top 10, I feel like, is nearly as strong as last year's list if not in some cases stronger i mean i feel like now there are some of uh the less overt horror movies that jay might not like is since he's keeping watch over the trojan horses at the gate i think there are things that aren't necessarily obviously horror like dave made a maze or 
or Ghost Story. Oh. But for me, those are some of the best movies I've seen this year. You know, I mean, and there's just a lot of great straight ahead horror this year as well. But there are a lot of personal shoppers and um, colossals and things like that on my list that I, I would like to try to make work. I don't know. It'll be interesting to put my list together. But I've. I'm looking at my... I've got a combined list right now. I haven't made an only horror list yet. But my top 49 movies uh, of all genres, I like all of those 49 movies a lot. Nice. So, a good year for I mean, movies. I, I still... Uh, probably it's going to be the same for me this year as it was last year. Sort of binge-watching uh, right mm-hmm. before we do our top 10. And mm-hmm. getting a lot because I've obviously seen... I've seen more by this point this year than I've seen... Uh, by this point last year uh, and there are some very strong movies that, that I've seen but I also know there's a lot that I haven't seen well you did so, a lot of catching up during the 31 days of Halloween so I did and, uh, and I have yes. a little bit more to do as well um, some of which you know will make the list would, would make uh, at least currently or on my top 10 list mm-hmm. but there's some I haven't seen yet um, that I'm looking forward to and it's weird to think back at about the beginning of the year to film like split and get out which (laughs) were incredible then and there's probably still going to make my list there's films that I've been waiting for for years to come through the film festival circuit like The Devil's Candy and Better Watch Out and those are probably going to make my list so it's just interesting I don't know it's it's a pretty good group of movies this year Mm -hmm. I agree I agree too I agree too it's interesting um, the, the selection and we'll see. I guess we still got a ways to go to see before we start comparing 2016 to 2017. I just want to get an early indication. Yeah. And not to go non-horror on you guys, but I, I'm not like a big superhero movie guy, or at least I didn't used to be. I think having kids and a son who's like getting to the age where he really likes it has gotten me back into them. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's been a neat experience, but it's really weird. I'm looking at my top 15 now. And I've got three superhero movies and an action, two action, additional action movies. Which, if you know me, like I don't yes. even like action movies. Mm-hmm. But I've got Guardians of the Galaxy two, Baby Driver, Wonder Woman, Spider Man Homecoming, and Thirteen Hours in there right now. And it's just like nice. And Logan's not too far behind as I look down further down. Yeah. On the list. <laughs> Yeah. So it's and who knows what's gonna happen when Star Wars: The Last Jedi comes out. So it's just shocking to me to have that many kind of big budget spectacle action movies anywhere on my list. Like that's just not my style at all. But it's been a good year. Right. I agree. Yeah, I agree 100. percent I'm really looking forward to putting together our list. I think it has been uh, at least comparable to 2016, and um, it's gonna be great. So listeners, uh, if you're not starting to think about your end of the year list and assemble your list please please by all means let's get going on those but anyways we hope you've had a happy halloween we're grateful that you joined us here on horror movie podcast we have a blast uh bringing you this show and uh dr shock we already mentioned that you write for dvd and uh where are the other podcasts they can find you uh on the other podcasts well first off let me just quickly mention uh, in case anybody takes me to task, I mentioned one for the Cuckoo's Nest was um, Brad Dorff's screen debut. It's not. He was he had an uncredited role in WW and the Dixie Dance Kings that same year, 1975, mm. but it's his first credited role. Gotcha. Uh, one for the Cuckoo's Nest. 
Anyway, um, yeah, you're slipping. Podcasts. You're slipping, Dave. Yeah. You're slipping. Yeah, right. <laughs> I forgot all about WW and the Dixie Dance Kings. How could I have done that? <laughs> um, yeah, you can. Uh, as far as other podcasts, you can hear me on um, uh, Universal Monsters Cast. Uh, the uh, We Deal in Lead Western Podcast and uh, Land of the Creeps also. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And what about you, Wolfman Josh? Uh, for me, I'm just going to take it a step further and say, uh, so Brad Dourif did win the Golden Globe that year for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but he did, was only nominated for the Academy Award, did not win that Academy Award. So I'd be curious to know who beat him out there. Um, you can find me MovieStreamCast.com, UniversalMonstersCast.com. I really do feel like that is another show very much akin to this one. In fact, it's probably the closest thing on the network to what we do here, but it's all based on the Universal Monsters. We also delve into other monster movies like the Hammer Monster movies. I think if you guys enjoy horror movie podcasts, you're probably going to enjoy Universal Monsters cast. The only downside is there's no J, but we do have Joel. So that's oh, yeah. that's uh, an uptick there. So it, it's good. Um, and he's way better. Well, I mean, Joel's amazing. The Gill Man, Joel Robertson, very entertaining. I mean, ideally we'd have you both, but, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. That's right. Right. Um, you know, you can find me on social media at Icarus Arts, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd. Uh, but you know what? Uh, the main thing that I'm thinking about right now is what movie I'm going to watch tonight for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I would love it if our listeners could come to the show notes here at HorrorMoviePodcast.com and let us know what their watching tonight for Halloween because I hope I hope everybody's got a good horror movie on their plates. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, have kids who are trick-or-treating age. That's what most of my evening is taken up with, but every year I gotta make sure I watch a great Halloween movie. So yep, definitely. Let us know what you but, watched. Definitely. Just real quick, um the winner of the best supporting actor that year, uh Brad uh like you said, Brad Dorf was nominated. Yeah, uh, it was George Burns for the Sunshine Boys. That was when they were still using Oscars, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm. So I think that had more to do with it. I haven't seen the Sunshine Boys, so I can't comment on George Burns's uh, performance in that. Uh, but he also beat out Chris Sarandon for Dog Day Afternoon. Interesting. Mm. Okay. I also wanted to let our listeners know if they haven't heard yet, we do have some new runs of T-shirts. We've got the HMP Metal t-shirt. You can get it at teespring.com slash HMP Metal. Basically, our listener and friend of the show, Armored Foe, who's an awesome artist. He did a heavy metal style logo design for Horror Movie Podcast. And you can get that in five different colors and sizes extra small to five extra large. So something for everybody over there. And uh, we also have a brand new t-shirt coming out from Peter Strain. We're recording this a little bit in advance, so I don't know if it's out at this time. But when I talked to Peter last, he said he would have it out in time for Halloween. So um, head over to Teespring, I guess, and see if it's over there. That one will be at teespring.com slash HMP icons. So looking forward to showing that to everybody. Exciting. Yeah, and my uh, random Brad Dourif fa- fact is that his favorite cereal is Fruity Pebbles. So there you go. 
<laughs> just there kidding. That's what I'm going to go eat here when we're done doing this. Go eat Fruity Pebbles. So. All right. Or maybe, you got to eat Booberry, man. It's Halloween. <laughs> no, we do. We actually have Count Chocula and Frankenberry downstairs. Nice. When I was nice. a kid, I ate they so much. They Booberry? They do. They do. They do. And, and in fact, I ate so much of that when I was a kid. I've, I have a little bit of a blue tone to me. Like, I mean, I ate tons of that stuff. I loved it. I loved it. Anyways, I do like Count Chocula, so you actually... No, that's what I'm having. Instead of Halloween candy, I'm having Count Chocula. Anyways, um, I hope people will listen to Movie Podcast Weekly, where um, it's just... I mean, it is a... It's a cluster, right? So just <laughs> just come on over there. You'll see what I mean. And uh, we cover. You don't want to. You don't want to finish that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that <laughs> <rapper subject. laughs> we 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 cover new stuff that's in theaters. Well, let me just add. So, okay, here's what happened. Uh, just recently on an episode, Andy uh, told me he watched this one movie, and uh, only the Brave, right? Which is in theaters. But then we get on there and it turns out he had watched Brave, the Disney animated thing. And so we, we, we go through this for like 10 minutes and I just move on from him because I'm like, okay, he's wasting our listeners time like I'm doing right now. And um, at the end when it was over, he's like, yeah, actually I did see only the Brave. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you. So he never ended up reviewing it. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you get over there. But anyway, moviepodcastweekly.com and just check out our whole network, moviepodcast dot network well we love your comments so please leave us comments um on our site here at, or you can also email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com we also have a voicemail line which works it's 801-382-8789 we have we have all of our episodes like i mean if you can't you won't be able to find them all on itunes right but you can find them all at horrormoviepodcast.com all 131 and um, also our archives for the weekly horror movie podcast and horror metropolis. And if you do, and if you do want to leave a voicemail about our um, <laughs> child's play coverage, you know, for the uh, for our uh, October franchise review, um, that would be great because it would give us something to listen to when we get around to um, you know horror in July. <laughs> I, I know where the damn play button is now, so. Thank goodness. Anyways, uh, we're also on Twitter at Horror Movie Cast, as well as Instagram. We want to thank Fred Ingram for his music, uh, for our theme song, his song Wilderness. Uh, you can find Fred at frederickingram.com. We also thank Kagan Breitenbach for his uh, classical rendition of Fred's original theme. And you can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. They are always linked in the show notes. And um, I think that's it for episode 131. I love it. The 31st and 131. Thanks for listening. And join us again in two weeks, Friday after next, for a horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies. Happy Halloween!